Let's pray together. God, how good it is to know that you do cradle us in your arms. And not only us, but this whole world that you have made. So we don't want to just think of ourselves and our burdens this morning. We want to think of you and how great you are. How holy and how just, how loving, how kind, and how powerful. Lord, we are so grateful that you hold this world in our hand, in your hands. Because we have just come from a week in which we hear news from around the world that makes our hearts heavy. But you've asked us to pray. And you've promised that when we pray, it makes a difference. So Lord, we pray for those places around the world where there are wars going on that no longer make the news, but where people are still suffering, where peace needs to take root and grow. Lord, would you bring peace? We pray for these ongoing negotiations with North Korea that whatever is in the works, Lord, that you would use it to do a miracle and set that country free and open the doors and let that 60-year-old war come to an end. We pray for our persecuted brothers and sisters around the world. We know that there are Christians who are living and dying for their faith even today. Encourage them, Lord. May they know they are not forgotten and may they feel your presence. We pray for those places in the world that seem especially dark, where people don't even know the name of Jesus. Lord, would you raise up a new generation of Christians to go, to go to all the world and spread the good news? Would you send us out in a new way and in new power? We pray for those who are laboring in forgotten corners of the world to translate the Bible into new, new languages, those who are working with those that no one else notices. Encourage them today. And may they know you are smiling upon them. Lord, we pray for our nation that as we spend so much time blaming each other, that you would give us a new heart to love each other. That you would cool the rhetoric and the way that we engage each other in the public space and give us a new ability to listen, to understand, and to work together for the common good that all may know the, the prosperity and the wholeness and have their needs taken care of. We pray especially for those who are suffering today. Immigrants, those struggling with addiction, those who feel left out of this world. Would you gather them, cradle them close to you and help all of us to do the same. May we always have in mind what you taught us about loving those who are in prison or who are hungry or who are sick or in need, that when we do that, we're showing love to you. Jesus, put that deep in our hearts today and give us joy as we serve those around us. And now, Lord, we pray as you taught us to pray with those wonderful words of the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. 
for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Well, it's wonderful to see each one of you here today. Would you take a Bible and turn to 2 Kings, 2 Kings chapter 6. If you brought your own Bible, that is wonderful. I always encourage you to do that. If not, you can take a pew Bible from in front of you and the page number's right up there on the screen. 2 Kings chapter 6, verses 8 through 23. Elisha traps the Arameans. So we're way back in Israel's history today. Elisha traps the Arameans. When the king of Aram was at war with Israel, he would confer with his officers and say, we will mobilize our forces at such and such a place. But immediately, Elisha, the man of God, would warn the king of Israel, do not go near that place for the Arameans are planning to mobilize their troops there. So the king of Israel would send word to the place indicated by the man of God. Time and time again, Elisha warned the king so that he would be on the alert there. The king of Aram became very upset over this. He called his officers together and demanded, which of you is the traitor? Who has been informing the king of Israel of my plans? It is not us, Lord the king, one of the officers replied. Elisha, the prophet in Israel, tells the king of Israel even the words you speak in the privacy of your bedroom. Go and find out where he is, the king commanded, so I can send troops to seize him. And the report came back. Elijah is at Dothan. So one night, the king of Aram sent a great army with many chariots and horses to surround the city. When the servant of the man of God got up early the next morning and went outside, there were troops, horses, and chariots everywhere. Oh, sir, what will we do now? The young man cried to Elisha. Do not be afraid, Elisha told him, for there are more on our side than on theirs. Then Elisha prayed, O Lord, open his eyes and let him see. The Lord opened the young man's eyes, and when he looked up, he saw the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. As the Aramean army advanced toward him, Elisha prayed, O Lord, please make them blind. So the Lord struck them with blindness as Elisha had asked. Then Elisha went out and told them, You've come the wrong way. This isn't the right city. Follow me, and I will take you to the man you are looking for. And he led them to the city of Samaria. As soon as they had entered Samaria, Elisha prayed, O Lord, now open their eyes and let them see. So the Lord opened their eyes, and they discovered that they were in the middle of Samaria. When the king of Israel saw them, he shouted to Elisha, My father, should I kill them? Should I kill them? Of course not, Elisha replied. Do we kill prisoners of war? Give them food and drink, and send them home again to their master. So the king made a great feast for them and then sent them home to their master. After that, the Aramean raiders stayed away from the land of Israel. Friends, this is God's word for us today. Thank you, God. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your presence here. God, we want to be like Samuel and listen. So open our ears and speak to us through the power of your Holy Spirit. Speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. Amen. Well, there once was a photographer, and he was sent out by the news station he worked for to take pictures of a huge forest fire. 
And he needed to get these pictures before the evening news that night, so arrangements were made that he should go straight to the airport. There would be an airplane waiting for him. So he rushed to the airport. He ran out onto the runway, and sure enough, there was a little plane idling there. The photographer jumps in and says to the pilot, okay, let's go, let's go, let's go. Time is, time is wasting. We got to go. And so the pilot takes off. And the photographer says, okay, let's, uh, let's fly over to the north side of the fire and make several low passes straight across the fire. Get as low as you can. And the pilot starts to look a little nervous, and he says, why, why are we doing that? The photographer's a little bit aggravated, and he says, well, because i got to take pictures. I'm a photographer. Photographers take pictures. And there was a pause, and the pilot said, you mean, you're not the instructor? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Sometimes everything seems to be okay, and then, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and it's kind of funny when it's in a story like this, but it's not so funny when it's your own life, is it? when you're just going along and then you get that phone call or you get that diagnosis or that pink slip or you know a lot of you know something immediately comes to your mind you know you know those conversations that start when someone says can we talk did a good conversation ever follow that phrase <laughs> Sometimes you can see it coming and sometimes you can't. And none of you need me to tell you that life is full of challenges and problems. Sometimes you're just going along like the servant of Elisha. And you go out some morning to pick up the daily paper, the, the Dothan Daily or whatever the paper was there. And you look up and there's an entire army surrounding your house. Then what? Then what do you do? Elisha, who's called the man of God in this story from 2 Kings, he's a prophet, and so his life is dedicated to helping God's people hear God's voice. And he's been especially active helping them avoid attacks from this, this king and his army, the king of Aram. It's, Aram was up in Syria around the city of, the modern-day city of Aleppo that you hear a lot about on the news. And these raiding parties from the king of Aram kept coming down into Israel and attacking. And Elisha has been listening to God, and God is helping all of the Israelite armies just avoid these attacks. And the king of Aram is getting really frustrated. He thinks he's got somebody in his own government who is giving information to the Israelites. And so when he confronts them, they say, no, it's not us. It's that prophet. It's that man of God. It's Elisha. He even knows what you talk about in your own bedroom. The king of Aram could not have been happy about that. So he sends uh, an army to go and grab Elisha. I wonder why it didn't occur to him that Elisha would know that was coming too, but maybe he thought it was worth a try. He's had enough. It says in verse 14, so one night the king of Aram sent a great army with many chariots and horses to surround the city. When the servant of the man of God got up early the next morning and went outside, uh-oh, it doesn't say uh-oh, but you can put that in there. There were troops, horses, and chariots everywhere. A great army with troops, horses, and chariots. That's a lot of problems to face. There's a lot of power to go up against. Are you facing troops and horses and chariots in your life? What would you put in those categories or how would you name those things? Maybe not just personally, but 
If we look at our community, it wouldn't take us too long to make a list of what the troops and horses and chariots are, the challenges that we face, poverty, addiction. We have a hugely high rate of child abuse in this county. And of course, globally, there are so many issues. And it, it says here that, that these troops and, and horses and chariots weren't just off in the distance, they were surrounding, surrounding Elisha and his servant, surrounding the city there. These are problems with no way out. So what does Elisha's servant do? He cries out. He says, oh, sir, what will we do now? He says, we are outnumbered. We're outnumbered. What are we going to do now? Have you ever cried out something like that? Ah, what are we going to do now? When I read this passage, I immediately thought, when I heard what, what uh, Elisha's servant cried out, I thought of a time when uh, my car broke down. It was when we were first married, we were living in Alfred, and I was working about 45 minutes away, and I had to drive on these back country roads to get to work. And our car was doing one of those weird car things where you get it fixed, and they say it's all good, and then it breaks down again. So you take it back, and you get it fixed, and they say, okay, we got it this time, and then it breaks down again. And it just so happened on one of these rural country roads on my way to work, it broke down. And I thought, okay, all right, I'm 22 years old. I can handle this myself, right? So I said I walked to someone's, way before cell phones, I went to walk to someone's house. There were no houses nearby. I finally found a house, and it had a German shepherd <laughs> that was not chained up who came right out to greet me. <laughs> so I was like, okay, maybe I'll walk the other direction. And I walked back to the car, and I thought, okay, I'm just going to regroup here. And I looked, and I realized I had locked my keys in the car in my nervousness. <laughs> and that was the point at which I said, oh, what are we going to do now? I think I said the same exact words as the servant here. What are we going to do now? And I remember saying, okay, God, you're really going to have to do something about this. <laughs> just so you don't wonder what happened to me. A moment later, someone I knew drove by, saw me standing there, pulled over and picked me up, brought me to town. So, yeah, what are we going to do now? That's kind of the cry of our heart when we find ourselves outnumbered. The great preacher Charles Spurgeon says, the proper question is not, what will we do, but what will God do? That's what our first response is. But often our first response is to fight back when we feel outnumbered, often with the people who are closest around us. And that often doesn't end well. See, Elisha's not nervous because he sees something that the servant doesn't. The servant is fearful because of what he is not seeing. He's seeing that they are outnumbered. Horses and armies and chariots, soldiers are surrounding them. And it raises the question, when we find ourselves in a question, what are we seeing? And what are we missing? What are we not seeing? So Elisha answers his question when he says, what are we going to do now? Elisha says to him, Verse 16, don't be afraid. That phrase, you find that phrase over and over, all throughout the Bible. Don't be afraid. Wouldn't it be good if that was the first thing we could hear when we feel outnumbered? Don't be afraid. Well, why not? Why not be afraid? Elisha goes on to tell him. He says, the army surrounding you is outnumbered. He says, there are more on our side than on theirs. You think that we are outnumbered, but the truth is, they are outnumbered. 
the soldiers of Aram are outnumbered. See, the eyes of faith allow Elisha to see that reality. They are outnumbered. I heard a story once of a Sunday school teacher who uh, said to his pupils, okay, children, we've been learning this morning about how powerful the kings and queens of Bible times are, but there's an even higher power than kings and queens. Who can tell me what that higher power is? And immediately an eight-year-old raised his hand and said, I know, I know, aces. Aces beat kings and queens. (laughs) When you're outnumbered, You need the higher power. This is how the New Testament puts it. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Outnumbered. Yeah. There are more on our side than on theirs. They are the ones. The enemies are the ones. The problems are the ones that are outnumbered. How different would it be if we stopped and took a breath and looked for how God could fight for us. Spurgeon puts it this way, oh, if we had but faith to look to that omnipotent arm that is moving among us and that great and wise heart that is thinking of us and then trust our case with him. A more modern preacher Put it this way, don't tell God how big your problem is. Tell your problem how big God is. I love that. I love that. We often, you know, we often miss seeing the whole picture. It's so easy to see our challenges and not see what God is up to and what God is able to do. As Brandon pointed out this morning, we need each other often to help see that, to lift our eyes, just like Elisha's servant needed Elisha to say to him, no, 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 look, look, there's a whole army of fire. The army of God is outnumbering this army that you can see. Often we need others to help us see that. Elisha says to his servant, Oh, Lord, open his eyes. He prays, oh, Lord, open his eyes and let him see. And the Lord opened the young man's eyes. And when he looked up, he saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. I love how the old King James Version puts it. And he saw, behold, The mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. Wouldn't it be great if we stopped in the middle of feeling overwhelmed by our problems and said to ourselves, behold, behold, they're outnumbered because God's got something going on here that if we notice it, we can really begin to learn to see. There's a kind of minnow that lives in Central and South America called the four-eyed fish. And this fish has these large bulging eyes and they sit on top of its head. You should Google this when you get home. It swims right on the surface, like just under the surface, with the top half of its eyes sticking out over the surface. So it just looks like a little pair of eyeballs swimming around. See, the top half of his eyes can see out above water, and the bottom half is like a lens that can see under the water. So this fish can see predators and food above, and predators and food below. It's like bifocals, (laughs) which I think is a fantastic idea the older I get. God made this fish with bifocals. That's what Gehazi, or the, the, the servant, who may have been Gehazi from the last chapter, but whatever his name was, Elisha's servant, that, that's what he needed, bifocals. He could see what was going on down here, but he was missing what was going on above the surface. 
He needed to behold. Behold with bifocals. I just thought of that. That could have been a good sermon title. <laughs> but he, Elisha helped him to see, to develop that vision above the surface to see that the army that the servant could see was really the one that was outnumbered. To say, look up. God is at work. God is already doing something. Well, as I said, often we need each other to see above the surface. So I want to give us a chance to do a little sharing this morning. We've just been coming out of this series on prayer, and we've spent six or seven weeks exploring the Lord's Prayer, praying together in different ways, both here on Sunday mornings and in small groups and in special prayer events. And I know that prayer has kind of come alive for a lot of us. And we've had the chance to pray for each other in new ways and to, to help each other see above the surface a little bit and see what God is up to. So I'm going to just... Um, open it up, and if you have a little story, a little testimony, or an account of maybe something you've seen God do, I would love for you to share it. As Brandon said earlier, um, we need to hear these stories because we need that kind of encouragement from each other. So we're all friends here, so don't be afraid. Um, microphones are completely painless, and... Um, if nobody has anything to say, then I'm going to have to make up some more pages of my sermon. So I know you'll have something to say. We've got somebody right over here, Sandra. Where have you seen God at work? And introduce yourself. Oh, uh, my name is Sandra Maku, and I've been here since 1988. So um, I have a sister who's 10 years older than I am, from whom I've our whole family has been estranged for decades, literally. Uh, you know, ill feelings on both sides. And I never, although I'm in touch with her, she doesn't want to see me, says so she doesn't hold anything against me. But um, it's grievous. It was grievous to my parents, and it's grievous to me. And But I never prayed about it, because it just seemed insurmountable. It really did seem like an insurmountable problem. So when we started this prayer series in my small group, uh, I said, you know, I'm going to go for it. Let's, you know, I'm, when it came for prayer requests, I'm like, please pray that my relationship with my sister will, will grow. And I only hear from her maybe once or twice a year. And that very night, she sent me a text. And, and, <laughs> and part of it... Part of the message was let's let's be in touch, you know. And I just thought, wow. I mean, what are the chances that she would do that? That's so cool. Wow. Wow. That very night. Amen. Behold, right? Yeah. Over here. Um. I'm Tammy Lockwood, by the way, and I had a small group during the prayer series, Kathy Boardman, Ann Tempest, and Lori Volpe and myself, and it was just wonderful just to get to know these women, and um, we were praying over each other, and it was just a wonderful six weeks, but it was just such a, a sweet story. When we first started that first week... Um, Lori, if you're here, I don't want to embarrass you. <laughs> she is. She was so dear and said I. She didn't really pray in a group before, and um, we said that's fine. Everybody starts out um, yeah. and have never done that before, and so we continued on with the group. And by the last week, I'll just never forget this because Lori just busted out with this beautiful prayer with all of us and just felt so comfortable in that group setting and it was just it's it was just an amazing six weeks to and we still have a group chat that we have that you know we nice. open that up every day if there's prayer requests or whatnot so it, it was a great series so. awesome thank you I see Roger coming in the back 
want to make everybody turn around, but this happened a long time ago, um, and I'm going to make it short. It's really a long story, but we started out, <laughs> we started out with a youth group, and uh, we went down to Tennessee. It was the first time I ever went, and uh, they didn't ask me to go. Uh, this was... Uh, <laughs> no, they, uh, the youth council at that time, the youth pastor just... Uh, he mentioned that they were going to have a youth group go to Tennessee and work on houses down there for uh, people less privileged than us. And some just told me all that week, I couldn't get that out of my mind. And it's crazy. I've never done anything like that. And I, finally, I told the guy, I said, something's telling me I got to go. So we, we went. And my wife went with me. We took all the kids down there. And we get out of the van and... They, they had no idea who was coming. We had no idea what we were doing. But they had a house down there where a family had come to the U.S. Uh, their country was in civil war. They didn't know where the father or their older brother was. They had probably died, and there was about 13 people. And they were trying to set up a house for a family of this size. Um, they actually lifted up the roof on the second floor. And he goes, uh, we got out of the van, and we're talking a little bit. And he goes, what we really need is uh, a plumber because we need some more bathrooms in here. And I'm sitting there, well, you've got one who's done this for about 30 years. And uh, you talk about God just putting the right people in the right place at the right time. It, uh, it has forever uh, moved me. And uh, I know there's a God working there. Yeah. Amen. That one right here. So Roger does plumbing in case you need to know. <laughs> My name is Darlene Friend. We have a lovely family here, uh, Mitchell and Marty uh, Maxwell. And three weeks ago, they prayed they needed someone to sit with her 101-year-old uh, mother. And they prayed about it. And 15 minutes later, they had given me a, I called them back. And so I had the wonderful privilege to sit with this lady every night for three weeks. And she passed away on Friday. And she would, uh, was a member of the uh, Salvation Army Church. And her husband was the band leader when he was alive. And... She would every night fold her hands and pray out loud. She didn't have any dementia at all. And it was my pleasure to spend with her those three weeks till the end. So, thank you, Lord. What a blessing. Thank you. Yeah. Who else? Anybody else? Hello, my name is Chuck Barnes, and I've been here since uh, the early 2000s, my wife and I. And I've told this story before, I guess, but some of you may not have heard it, and I just got inspired to bring it out again because of what Kristen said this morning about getting her keys locked in her car. It's a long story, and there's a lot of little things that came up, but it was totally unexpected to me to even happen. I was living down in Florida, and I was down at the beach, and I locked my keys in my car, sparing all the little details. Anyway, I tried to get a coat hanger from a couple of snowbirds who were there, and they had a clothes rack on the back of their car, and they wouldn't give me a coat hanger. They thought I was a thief, see? <laughs> so anyway, I said, well, I've got an option here. I can spend the whole day at the beach, or I can address this problem right now. So I thought, well, yeah, let's go take care of it. So I just said, well, I'll go walk down the street and talk to somebody, knock on the door of the house. And nobody was there in any house anywhere I went. And I thought, either they can see me or they're really out somewhere. <laughs> but anyway, I was just walking down the street, and I wasn't discouraged, but I couldn't find anybody home. So I just turned left, and I walked up the street, minding my own business, and all of a sudden... My body just turned by itself, and I went straight into these people's yard, and I walked behind the hedges, reached my hand down in a pile of leaves, and found an old rusty coat hanger. What's the likelihood of that? That's, that's, that's worse than gambling. 
Anyways, I went back to the car, and I was able to open it up. So God was there, and totally unexpected. Just an interesting little ditty. That's amazing. God is good. Wow. Behold. Woo. Anybody else? I heard uh, right here in front. Hi, my name is Becky Van Riper, and my husband Brad had cancer and passed away on uh, May the 5th or 4th. And um, I just wanted to thank everyone who has prayed so faithfully for me because I have had strength far beyond my own. I just can't even begin to tell you how good God has been. And he's walked with Brad and I through the journey. And I just want to encourage any of you that if you're going through a struggle and you feel outnumbered, God is there. And I really sensed his presence this week at the prayer time on Wednesday night. That was a beautiful time. Thank you for setting that up. And the labyrinth especially, um, I just felt a sense of how Jesus has been right beside me and still is. And today would have been our 40th wedding anniversary, but I can't think of a better place to spend it than in church and worshiping God. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I don't know if I get a second turn or not. Is this okay? I can give it away. Um, we got till 4 o'clock. Oh, great, because I got a story for you. No, seriously. It was a year-long story, and many of you know that my daughter had stage 4 cancer at 15. And um, it was very hard to pray during that time. I didn't feel angry at God, but I definitely hung on to... Uh, is it in Romans where, you know, you, it's groans and the spirit, you know, interprets for you. But I literally felt the prayers of this church community, like in a physical way. It was like a safety net beneath us. And um, it, was, it was impossible to explain any other way. I just was really clear that that's what I was feeling. And she's five years in remission and um, doing very well. So I'm thanking God for that. Thank you. I see another one here. This is just short. I wanted to um, say that I have had many prayers that have been answered, and I have been kind of surprised that I didn't realize it for several years after they were answered. (laughs) So that happens, you know. Sometimes it's hindsight. Right. Right. Anybody else? Oh, I see right in the middle, Alex. Good morning. For those that can't see me, I'm with Chip Swanson of Levant Motors here. (laughs) Um, For those that don't know me, I'm new to the church since November. Um, I became baptized in March. Um, Ever since I've been here, Bemis Point UMC has has played a very important part in my life. Um, My mom had suffered two heart attacks this year, and without BP UMC, she wouldn't be here today, and today they celebrated 35 years of marriage and 38 years together, and without you guys, I wouldn't be here, and, and I would like to thank Chip Swanson also. Good. We're, we're glad you're here, Alex. And was that Chip Swanson of Levant Motors? Was that? Okay. Just wanted to make sure. In case you need a car. He's your man. Oh, good. Well, thank you for sharing. Oh, we got one more here. Go ahead, Grace. Well, most of the people of the story that I have to tell, I'm Grace Travis. My husband was Andy Travis. He directed the choir for many years here in this church. Uh, the thing of it is that I, I'm sitting here thinking of how the church and God helped so much. 
you can't imagine when your husband has to be in therapy for four months and they won't even let him come home because he's a quadriplegic and the only thing he can move is his eyes. So my house had to be completely done over. Church came in and did a lot of work. But the thing of it is, they gave him five to ten years to live. He lived 18 and a half. He was in and out of the hospital like a revolving door. And let me tell you that I learned how to pray. And I'm telling you that God is there when you need him. Don't worry if you have any adversity. It's going to help you, not hinder you. Thank you, God, for all you have done for me. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, got one more back here. This is good. I love it when it's one service because we don't have an ending time. So you guys are stuck. You're stuck till I say we're done. <laughs> well, everybody knows that I've been in this church since I was a little kid. Yeah. And that I cannot drive. So it was hard for me to get to church. And a few weeks ago, I walked in, and Paula and Corey were here, and now I have a ride to church. And on top of that, my stepson is back in my life. And that was Deb Arisman, for those of you who don't know her. Her mom was our custodian here for years. Thank you. I know you guys think I love microphones, but anyways, um, I just wanted to share something that was on my heart. Um, If you guys remember, as we went through the series, one of the weeks was on how to petition God with your prayer requests. And um, I love the, uh, the uh, UK guys as they were giving 15 minutes of their video talking about how to do this. And, you know, sometimes you get the, the green light and sometimes you get the yellow light and sometimes you get the red light. Anyways, my parents were celebrating their 50th wedding anniversary in the midst of the series, and I was going down to surprise them. And my sister, Carrie, had planned on being there They knew she was coming. She was kind of the decoy, and I just showed up with balloons and said, hi, surprise. I actually got there before her, so it was cool. She said I stole the thunder. But um, we were with Carrie for maybe four or five hours and uh, prior, and as soon as we got a moment alone when we weren't scurrying here and there, um, she just started crying and said um, either her daughter, who is uh, 15, needs brain surgery. And uh, long story short, she has Chiaris, and so her cerebellum is sticking out of her skull. Uh, she suffered whiplash a couple years before. She was a gymnast, and uh, she had pain, this head pain that was debilitating. Her had not only pulled her out of sports, but you know she's a straight-A student who could hardly make it through a day of school because it just was so painful, excruciatingly painful. And so while we're there... It's, it's really on my mind, like I need to take some time to pray with my sister. And my parents were there. It was just the four of us. It was a, you know, and I'm just like, Lord, how, how do I do this? Like, I don't want to mess this up. Like, I don't, I'm not even sure how to bring this forward to you. And, uh, but then I started thinking about the, the video. And I'm like, wait a second. We learned how to do this. And so um, we set up a time. It was a few hours before I was supposed to leave because I was only there for a couple of days. And uh, I said, guys, I know this is going to be a little bit abnormal, but I'd like for us to watch this video together. And then we're going to take some time and we're going to pray. And so I don't know what possessed me to go with that. Anyways, we went through the video. And, um, you know, already, you know, tears are coming just from my parents and my sister. And we got together. And in the midst of this, there was another gift that was given. I was listening in the morning to a radio broadcast, and uh, there was a specific direction about how we should bring forth requests to the Lord. So it was the video and this, and I'm sitting here, and I'm like, we can do this. Uh, We can pray for Kylie. And um, I share it with you just because it was significant for us, and it was probably the best moment of prayer I've ever had. And um, 
my sister might uh, continues to draw off of it as um, her, the niece's surgery is the 27th of June. So I, I mentioned this for two reasons. One, I wanted to share with you how we decided to pray. But second of all, I'd love it if you guys could lift up Kylie. Again, her brain surgery is June 27th. With that said, um, the prayer went something like this. Heavenly Father, we come to you in the midst of a crisis that involves Kylie. Lord, we love you and we trust you, but today we want to learn how to trust you more. Father God, it's our heart's desire to see Kylie completely healed from this brain situation, to see her healed in a way that she would be pain-free and that she would be able to recover into a full, normal life, Lord. But we are resound and resigned, I should say, resigned to the fact that we're putting this in your hands and it's your will that we would want to be done. And we enthusiastically await your answer to this prayer. I've never prayed like that before. It's always been point A to point B. Lord, healer. You can do it, okay? Created the whole world, universe. You could do this. But when we pray that way, I think those are the types of prayers where we're really just turning it over to him and trusting that whatever, however he chooses to do this, um, and whatever comes, we can be at peace. So I just wanted to share that. Thank you. You noticed what made the difference for Elisha's servant. What opened his eyes? It was when Elisha prayed. Did you notice that? He prayed. He said, Lord, open his eyes and let him see. There is such power in prayer. He didn't even have to pray, oh Lord, come and rescue us. The prayer was more like, God, help us to see what you're already doing. Just open our eyes. That's a, that's a profound prayer, isn't it? We're just coming off of this series on the Lord's Prayer, What Would Jesus Pray? And our, our goal for all of this was not that we would all learn to pray a little more and then it would just be over, but that this would be the start of a movement a real prayer movement, and that we would become more and more, in reality, a praying church. So we don't want to let this momentum just fade away. We've been talking on administrative board and in our staff about what it would mean to be a praying church. Like, how would you define that in nuts and bolts? One of the things that we talked about was, well, we need to be people who gather for prayer on a regular basis. So we've been really intentional this year about having a, a time set aside every week for prayer. It's been on Sunday nights. As of last week, we were moving it to Wednesday nights for the summer. So Wednesday nights at seven. And everyone is welcome to come. We spend a lot of time praising God. Sometimes we take a specific topic and pray over that. Sometimes it's just whatever's on people's hearts. You'd be amazed how fast an hour of prayer goes when you're in a group. It's just, it flies right by and it, it it's, makes the whole rest of your week different. So Wednesday nights, we're not gonna do it on July 4th, but Wednesday nights throughout the summer, we'll be gathering here at seven for prayer. We also talked about what, it would, what would it be like to get people to commit, to pray every day. And we decided, we talked about half an hour, 15 minutes. I'm putting a challenge out to you today to commit to pray for 15 minutes a day. And you'll see that if you open up your bulletin on your sermon notes, there's a place for you, if you want to make that commitment, you can sign it and then you can stick that someplace where you'll see it every day, whether that's in your Bible if you read, do devotions at a certain time of day or on your bathroom mirror, on your steering wheel or however you want to do that. That's the white piece of paper. And then there's an orange card for you to fill out and uh, 
We're gonna have the ushers come forward during the last song and collect those. If you would be willing to commit to pray for 15 minutes a day, we would love to have you do that. Maybe you already are somebody who prays at least that long a day, and we would love to know that so we can know that you're part of our praying force. Maybe you wanna set aside a block of time <clears throat> at a, a, every day at a certain time. Maybe you know you, you drive to work and it's a, at least a 15-minute drive. You can commit to that spot. Or maybe you want to break it up into three five-minute blocks. Maybe you want to do it alone or have a buddy that you pray with. Even over the phone, you can pray together. Um, we, the goal that we tossed around in administrative board was 150 people. I think we could blow that out of the water, even this morning. I really do. We are halfway through. We're exactly at the halfway point of this year. And if we can commit to praying for the rest of 2018, I really believe that God is going to do some new things among us and in our community and even around the world that we cannot even begin to see yet. A.J. Gordon said, you can do more than pray after you have prayed, but you cannot do more than pray until you have prayed. So let's, let's be a praying church. Let's be people of prayer. We've tasted and seen that the Lord is good, right? We've seen that our problems and the problems of this world are outnumbered. And that it's prayer that brings God's power to bear on the things that we face in this world. The Apostle Paul prayed for his church at Ephesus, that they would be a praying church. And listen to this prayer. This is uh, Ephesians 1. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened He's praying that they will behold, right? That they will see above the surface. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That is my prayer for us, that we could be a praying church and the eyes of our hearts would be able to see those things. So if you would prayerfully consider making that commitment as we sing the last song, the ushers are gonna come around. You can put those orange cards in the offering plates, but first let's pray. God, open our eyes in every situation may our first thought be wait look behold what is God doing and what could God do God I pray that you would enlighten our hearts so that we may know the hope to which you've called us the riches of your glor our glorious inheritance in the saints and your incomparably great power for us who believe. It's in the powerful name of Jesus we ask it. Amen.